Welcome to the IP2 Podcast. I'm Shay Ashby, and as always, I'm joined by Felix Chung. Felix, how's it going tonight? Man, it is late. I am delirious. It's past midnight where I am, uh, but we're we're powering through this one. How are you doing, Shay? I'm doing good. You're a real trooper for doing this at like quarter after midnight, and then us doing this for like another 45 minutes or whatever, pushing it to one for you. So thanks for your time. <laughs> well, I keep on talking about the importance of sleep. Every time someone asks me for advice about how to do a good job judging or even how to perform well in your professional life or anything else, I say, you know, it all starts with a good nights of sleep and I just instantly disregard my own <laughs> advice. So do as I say, not as I do, I guess, yeah. is, uh, is the moral of the story. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I fully am aware of the effects and the benefits of sleep, and yet I get the bare minimum that I need to function on a day-to-day basis, so I understand. Yeah, it's not good. Don't <laughs> don't don't do this. How how can I break this cycle? Or should I not ask you because you're you're the same way? I need professional help. You need to commit. <laughs> I think. And um be like a regimented about it. So pick a time, like eleven or whatever that works and Make sure you get all of the things done that you need to before you go to bed. And then that way, when it comes to time, you kind of don't give yourself an excuse to stay up. I always find myself fighting as to some stupid reason, like, well, it's not midnight yet. Even though I'm tired, I'm going to stay up Mm. because it's not midnight. And then I find something stupid to watch on the internet because that's what the internet's for right now, right? Yeah, it's it's a disease. Uh, But uh, we're we're in this boat together, I guess, this, this terrible boat. Oh, we should it be on. <laughs> do, you, do you have any thoughts as to how to correct your ship? Uh I I shouldn't be, be talking about these deep topics. It's too late. Let's too let's late. delve right into the main topics sure. here. <laughs> uh, we've covered nationals a bit, but was there something that you wanted to go over quickly? Yeah, no, just all in all, geez, it's been so long since uh it's just been the two of us. Yeah. We did go behind the scenes of both U.S. Nationals and Canadian Nationals. Overall, a great season. Um, Both tournaments were ran quite well. Uh, Different styles uh, between SCG running the U.S. Nats and then Red Riot. And we had Steven on talking about Canada. I really do hope people enjoyed Canadian Nationals. Um, I did think it was a huge step up from... The last couple, I am biased because yeah. I was behind the scenes for this one compared to the others, so maybe you shouldn't uh, take that at face value. But uh, yeah, it, it, it was a lot of fun. I am a little bit happy to see Briar uh, leaving the CC world for a little bit here. A little bit sad that Lexi wasn't able to join her, but yeah, what it's, can you it, do? It's an interesting one. I have yet to see a single hero... That's LL'd that people aren't ecstatic that they're leaving. Like even if they're only around for a short period of time, it's I don't know if people are just done with the oppressive nature of S tier decks or you know, under the thumb for a year or what it is, but I've never seen like very very rarely are people like, yeah, oh that's too bad. I'm gonna really miss, you know, Rosetta Thorn or getting bonked for thirteen dominated against Starvo. Um, what do you think it is that people are tired of or why nobody was like, oh, man, it's really too bad that this hero is going, you know, too soon? I do want to be a little bit cautious about the use of the word nobody. I do know people that are still recovering from Prism's LL and haven't gotten over it. Uh, 
I think because that playstyle was quite unique and even Dromai doesn't scratch the itch in the same way. Yeah. But I certainly think Starvo was an anomaly. Um, there are some diehards out there that are, are sad that he's gone. Um, I do agree with you that the vast majority, I think, recognize that it was an anomaly. I hesitate to say it was a mistake, but I think James White even said he was a mistake in some way. Um, yeah, there was something about the testing meta at the time at LSS there where Briar had ball lightning. And yeah. it's the well, the impression I got was that she was able to help keep uh, Starvo in check at the time. So it, it was maybe missed once once ball lightning was removed. Yeah, for sure. But I think people are, are ready for change, right? Uh, just a little bit of rotation with the clearly most powerful decks. Briar does seem a little bit weird because she kind of limped over the line. I understand with the latest yeah. BNR that's something they're trying to prevent but uh e even so the the shadow of rosetta thorn even hung very heavy over the the cc meta for a long time yeah i think rosetta was just a frustrating piece of equipment to play against um because it was really a super there was no efficient way to take care of rosetta until like something like oasis came along and so i, I kind of get that that was you know difficult to deal with um, so I kind of understand that. Um, and then you mentioned that you think there's a, a way that they're trying to curb that in the B, uh, banner and suspended announcement. What were you kind of, um, getting at there? Uh, just saying that they probably, or maybe they directly alluded to not wanting Lexi to just limp over the line and ban Voltaire or something and have right. her hanging out at a very high amount of living legend points for another year. Yeah. Um, instead, I think they just very directly acknowledge that she is a very, very good deck, if not the best deck, and this ProQuest season will be her her last hurrah. Yeah. A lot of people have said a lot of words about that uh, philosophy of the the banned restricted announcement. Yeah. Um, we don't need to get too too deep into it. I mean, overall, I I don't mind the approach. It's a tough. It's a tricky situation to be in for LSS. I think. Uh, you know, no one's there. There's no way everyone's going to be happy about it, whether you hit her hard or or not. Yeah, I've seen I've seen both sides of the coin. Some people, you know, wanting the the call to strip something from her to curb her, but also I I, I don't mind the rip the bandaid off the situation and just kind of let it happen and get it over with, and then we can move towards a healthier meta. Yeah. I guess just one other Easter egg about the Canadian national seasons. I think uh, we've unintentionally done a couple behind-the-scenes peaks at Canadian nationals uh, in the last couple weeks, but mm -hmm. uh, I think we're going to have a trifecta with the next episode coming up here, so we, we really, really get uh, <laughs> a thorough <laughs> behind-the-scenes look at yep. uh, at a championship here, or a national championship, so, so please stay tuned for that. Um, anything else about Nationals, Shay, before we move on? I don't think so. No, don't want to go deep into... I mean, I didn't I didn't attend any Nationals, mm. uh, so I, I, it's, it's tough for me to speak on it. Um, the only thing I do, I guess I could add, was that talking to a few people, I do think that this was the best Canadian Nationals from what I've heard from other people that have attended multiple ones. So I think, you know, it's going well and moving in the right direction. Yeah. I mean, are you... Are you excited about next year, Shay? Will you hop back on the horse? 
you know, I'll do my best uh, to come out and see everybody and play. That's all I can. That's all I can commit to. <laughs> a weak commitment from from you. Yep, that's what you get from me. All right. So next topic we have is ProQuest season is is coming on. And man, this was announced a few weeks ago. But again, we just don't get to talk, you and I, very often. So these huge chunks of news just yeah. uh, roll on by and we don't get to, to get to talk about it until <laughs> weeks after. Yeah. We are both judging again. Uh, two, two events in our city. I, I got one, you got the other. Yep. You excited about that? I am. And it's just a sort of like a little recap story. We actually only had one originally. Um, and so you and I were trying to figure out who, how we were going to judge this. Um, this is, uh, it was ultimately at your store. We'll call it your store. Um, and we had kind of decided that we were going to share the responsibility so that we could work together. Cause I, and I was actually really looking forward to learning from you and judging and, uh, you know, watching you work and getting some tips. And then through, a few people in the community reaching out to LSS, we were given a second one. So, so then I get to head judge one and you get to head judge one. So that's also still exciting. Don't get me wrong. Um, and RPQs, I don't think are necessarily big enough that we need to, I think we could use two, but it's also still manageable as one. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I echo that. I was really looking forward to working with you, but at the end of the day, you're, much, you're you're very capable and more than capable of of head judging yourself as as you've proven uh, over the years. So I'm very happy that you could you know we could get the second tournament because that's really what our community deserves and yep. and has been looking for. So all's well that ends well at the end of the day. Uh, whatever happened at the beginning of uh, handing out those invites, and yeah, I mean the last ProQuest that I judged or RTN, I think it was a pro quest that was 40 people in CC. Yeah. That was getting up there for what I yeah. felt like I was capable of handling, um, individually. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we'll get the chance to judge side by side. And we talk about judging all the time outside of events. So we're still doing that transfer of information yeah. and all of that. But I think, I don't know. I'm sure there's like a rough magic number, but um, the last one that I did was, was it 30 some people. And there are definitely moments where it gets hectic and you get three calls at a time. Yep. Um, and you definitely don't want to like have people hanging around. So you, you know, for me, I was assessing which ones were the easy ones to get taken care of um, and kind of get those out of the way and, uh, get those tables playing. And then the one that actually was a difficult one that we had talked about took me like 10 minutes to resolve. And had I taken 10 minutes to that table, I would have had two other tables also waiting 10 more minutes for a judge call. So I think I handled yep. the timing uh, appropriately there. So, but yeah, getting into the 30 and 40 neighborhood of players, I think is starting to get a little dicey at times for one judge, but like I said, it's still manageable, but I think there's definitely, you know, one or two points in the day where it, you know, it becomes a little bit stressful being a judge. At least it was. Yeah, for, for sure. For sure. And and when you add in wrinkles, like we have to do deck checks, we need to still be there for that triage um, aspect, like you identified. Um, it, it does become a little bit much. Uh, so we'll, we'll see how, how this one goes. Our community is pretty good. Um, yeah. 
us, uh, people generally know their their decks pretty well because there's a lot of specialists that know their hero inside and out. Yep. So I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Yours is going to be a draft, right? Yeah, mine's draft. Um, I think yours is CC. Mm-hmm. And one other interesting tidbit, I'm not sure if this is good or bad for everybody, but they're held on the same weekend, so they're going to be Saturday CC and then Sunday draft. Yeah, and I mean, another reason why I'm I'm really happy we got the second is because both of us are are competitive in a way, and that means we each get to play in a, in a local tournament as well. Yeah. I mean, you especially um appear and sound like you're very laid back but you are quite a killer i must say (laughs) thanks i do it was difficult when we were talking about it when we only had the one pro quest it was definitely a a dilemma for me internally on whether or not i wanted to play or judge um there is still you know the what if factor if you have a good day and you pilot a good deck what what can you achieve for me and so uh, I didn't wasn't able to answer the question of, you know, what do I want to do? Do I want to play or do I want to, I want to judge? And ultimately, uh, yeah, I chose trying, you know, wanting to work with you and and do that originally. And so that was fine. But yeah, once we got the second one, now it's kind of like you said, yeah, you get to kind of like put both skill sets on the table in the same weekend. We get to play mm-hmm. a competitive event and then we also get to flex our, our judging knowledge and brain. So that's actually ultimately kind of like exciting for me to, to be able to do both. Um, I don't need the um, access to playing in as many as I can get my hands on, so I didn't need to play in both. I just, you know, you limit your shot with with one event instead of two. That's okay. Um, I don't know how much that would make a difference for me. Um, So for you, are you excited to play in one as well and judge, or would you prefer to judge both if you you were given the opportunity? I am ecstatic that I get to play in one. Um, and we're also going to go up to Edmonton slash Leduc and, and play yeah. in one as well. So we would have gotten to flex our competitive muscle no matter what. But yeah, being able to play in one locally is great. Uh, the fact that it's draft is bad for me. Um, <laughs> yeah, I always say that uh, before they hid the leaderboards for ELOs under 1550, I... I had at the time the second worst ELO in limited in all of Canada, <laughs> um, just because of my record of yeah. doing well in nationals constructed and then getting absolutely smashed in draft. Yeah, and yeah, it's still not not clicking for me. But uh, I'm going to heed Yuki's advice to me and hold it dear to my heart and and see how it goes. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is a a pretty good segue uh, into Bright Lights if you're done talking about PQ. Yeah. Actually, before we do that, um, they did announce a shift in the philosophy of Judge Comp, or not Comp, Judge Gifts for PQ. And instead of giving out two sets of gifts, now it's going to be a gift for the head judge and a, a gift for the support judge. Yeah. So LSS are just tweaking the way this works uh, behind the scenes. Um, yeah, it just shows that that they're always trying something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure what to make of it, to be honest, Jay. Do you have any any thoughts there? No, not really. Like again, our scene's pretty small, and we've been doing one judge events. So mm-hmm. I feel like for us, ultimately, 
it's kind of the same, like whether um, you kind of end up with all of the judge promos anyway. So it yep. kind of stays the same here. Uh, the only difference is, I guess, it feels like there's a, because of the advent of the judge packs, it feels like there's a bigger payout for the head judge than the the supporting judge, which is fine. Whereas before it was like um, a few judge cards and a set of sleeves. So I guess I don't know, uh, now that I'm kind of saying it, I kind of, it's kind of the same thing. They just you know, earmarked it differently, like you said. So, yeah, yeah, I guess I'll take it all back. And it's it kind of is the way the same for us. Um, I'm not sure what it's yeah. like in other places. Um, if there's more, if they have two or three judges at events, like I'm not sure how big your PQs and RTNs would be that you would need that many judges. Yeah, I mean, there are stores out in more populated areas, like I'm thinking Minimax, because they actually stream, like they hire professional casters and their their PQs are like 80 people yeah. or 100 people large. And, and yeah, in that case, you choose to make your event very big and you have multiple judges and, and all of that. But these these kits that LSS sends out have to be applicable to, you know, a PQ or RTN held in a very small town yeah. or the only one in your state or province. And it also, it, you know, it, it's a one size fits all approach yep. that they have to do. And I think that something like MinMax or Chicago area is an outlier and it's not the norm and that most PQRTNs are probably in the 20 to 40 person range. Yeah, exactly. It's it's tough to see. And there was an office hours today. Uh, so they'll take a look at how this is received okay. and how it works. Yeah. yeah. Cool. All right. On to bright lights. It's uh, just the week after pre-release. What did you think? I had a lot of fun. Uh, I was able to attend four pre-releases, three and a half. I pulled out a the Sunday one early um, to record which we obviously didn't up doing if we're recording two days later, but that's okay. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed the four pack sealed. Uh, I spent very little time looking at this set. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say, lie and say that I didn't know anything that was coming. I read the cards as they were spoiled, but I didn't really commit them to memory. I'm not a mech player, so they didn't ring any great ideas or any or plans to build a deck uh, so i kind of really had no idea so i feel like i was about as fresh as fresh as i can get going into a set so on the first day i was reading every card kind of like relearning them all and not really understanding what cards go with what heroes and that was actually a lot of fun to try and figure out these little puzzles while deck building and actually kind of like stressful because i feel like i spent too much time trying to read the cards and figure stuff out than i maybe needed to um but yeah, I think this set was a lot of fun. I'm I'm excited for the crack shuffle play aspect as well, where you just jam three packs together and go and you know figure out new lines as they come up to you uh, in your hands. So I think that'll be really exciting. What were your first impressions like uh, for bright, bright Lights? Yeah, no, I mean, very similar to yours. I do enjoy playing Limited a lot. Uh, I'm just not very good at it. <laughs> so that's... Uh... I really enjoyed uh, just, first of all, cracking open a new set, a uh, very unique set, not sorting my sealed pool by hero, which was a little bit strange to get used to at first. I did apply the simple heuristic of, um, I'm just going to put all my three blocks into the yes pile. Yep. And then from there, I'll uh, 
I'll fill out the rest with uh, the spice. And I think a lot of people did the same thing because my takeaway is that every deck blocks super well in Bright Lights format. Um, sometimes you can catch someone with their pants down holding a bunch of items and it's it, it's just hard to count on though. So it's a very grindy format. I totally get why people are running max deck size. Um, yeah, it didn't. It seems like it, it seems like it's hard to establish ways to go super over the top, though. Uh, at least to me, I, I haven't figured that that out yet. Yeah, it didn't take very long for our community community to realize that running forty cards seemed like the optimal play because it was going very much to fatigue and the. Uh, general nature of the boost mechanic um, and needing to use it to apply pressure. Um, yeah, people were just chucking 40 cards in right away. Um, and I get that that in immediately leans towards fatigue strategies or worrying about being fatigued. I feel like as this limited aspect of Bright Lights goes on, we'll figure out what cards we want in our decks and what we can trim, what's not as valuable. Um, so I did see a few people kind of complaining about the fatigue um, aspect of it over social media, but there, I, I think there's a, a thing to note about it though. Like, um, I believe LSS has mentioned that they're toning back the power of new sets compared to something like tales of Aria and Monarch. Um, you know, if you kind of put together the heroes that are LLing in, um, classic constructed, they're all talented heroes. And they've mentioned that with tales of Aria, they push the boundaries of the, of power, uh, and, and now we're kind of seeing uh, what it's like with that much power and the subsequent sets, once they've kind of come to that conclusion that those were too powerful are, are weaker sets. And I think people just need to be patient with this as those more powerful heroes rotate out and these weaker sets, while they're not as maybe as explosive or fun because we're used to something that's way more intense and quicker that the game will balance itself out and plateau where, we don't have what these sets that feel weaker. Once all of the power cards are out of, you know, the meta, then I think we'll start to see it shift into something that's a bit doesn't feel as weak. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it it makes perfect sense. And just to add on to what you were saying, I think Fab is at its most enjoyable when it's about the the holy trinity almost like attacking blocking and worrying about your efficiency of cards and cards remaining in your deck yep um man that is one lopsided triangle but I'll, <laughs> it is it i'll is. stick with it there you know there was a time where it was sort of perfect in the starvo prison yeah. chain era that triangle was very i don't know as close as close as you can get i think to a perfect triangle i feel like whoa you're, you're that, that, that's a totally different triangle than what i'm talking about <laughs> What are you doing, man? I don't know. Like, what triangle are you talking about? I'm talking about attacking, blocking, and cards left in deck. The your your deck efficiency. Like if you just never care about the cards left in your deck. Like I think about Uprising Limited, and uh, you know, especially in games where where Phi was involved, you're just sending it every turn. Because your cards attack for four and they block for two. You're just sending it. There's no consideration for blocking 
or efficiency because someone's dead after three turns. Some people enjoy that kind of gameplay, but it, it's it's not playing into the strengths of, of flesh and blood, in my opinion. Yeah. So yeah, at, attacking, blocking, and and deck efficiency, and and you can tell that um, these are the aspects that the designers of uh, Bright Lights really wanted to emphasize. Even the weapons, like you don't have an Ember Blade that swings for three with Go Again on on most turns. Like in in all cases, well, in two out of three cases, the weapons require you to expend cards yeah. to attack with and the other one attacks for two at the start of the game with no go again or it actually doesn't do, doesn't anything. do anything you can actually get actually, into a situation yeah, where yeah. you can i guess come to a stalemate where neither hero can attack each other uh, it actually yeah. almost happened in one of my games on the weekend uh, had i had a three block in hand um we would have come to a stalemate because i would have had no cards in deck and my opponent would have had yeah. a, would have had had no way to use banksy to attack me so mm. something to consider yeah. yeah so so overall i i do like this whole having to consider your attack your block and your threats remaining in your deck yeah um now that that's not saying that this set must be a home run but i am saying that i'm glad that they're taking these design principles into account i can see it and i had an enjoyable time at, at pre-release uh, i really did um, it, it does seem like at first blush that just a 40 card Teclavosin might be a little bit better than <laughs> the others yeah. in, uh, in, lim- in sealed specifically, but who knows? There's, there's a lot to discover out there. Yeah. I mean, on social media and stuff, I saw like people winning with dash and with, uh, max as well. Like, I don't know what the splits mm-hmm. were, but I, um, I did see other, other, um, events be won by different heroes out there than Tekla Voss. And even I think we witnessed it at our own as well. Um, yeah. The one aspect actually kind of that I missed that I, I have enjoyed and I was kind of already setting myself up to enjoy it was the single class aspect. Um, I think it's really fun. I think it gives a lot more depth to the limited game and I'm excited to draft it as well. Um, I know obviously certain cards will lean towards certain heroes because of um, the way that their abilities work and that's fine. But I mm-hmm. think that, you know, you can, you know, something you can cherry pick a card and it doesn't necessarily handicap you uh, to take it away from somebody. You can still find a use for it. And I think that's really cool. And actually early onset, I hope they kind of continue this trend of making one class sets. Um, I think it'll be an interesting way to bump up maybe a class that's weaker in the future, um, being able to give them a bunch of support with the the advent of the, the expansion slot, they can still uh, add cards for other classes and heroes that might need a bump somewhere as well. So I'm really excited about this, and I hope that they do something more with it in the future and that this isn't the only set that they do a one-class set. Yeah, well, I believe that today, as of recording, uh, James White had an interview with the Isle of Ophidia podcast, like the, the French podcast. Yep. And I think he alluded to more single class sets coming. Okay, cool. With an eye towards the limited experience. So yeah, the limited process or the limited format itself is is very interesting to me. Like I share all of those those sentiments, really enjoying that. Um, yeah, I think Mechanologist was the perfect uh, class to try that out with. 
I think, uh, because Mechanologist has that holy trinity, right? They block, they attack, and they also have a mechanic that expends cards from their deck for more power immediately. So that's that's the perfect first class to to try this out with. I agree. I actually yeah. have that. I have a video, video up on my browser tab. I just haven't gotten to it yet. Nice, yeah. Any other impressions for Bright Lights? No, I think I got all of them. You opened anything good? Um, I opened a bunch of Evo Breaker chess pieces. I think I got like three in the pre-releases. Uh, mm. So, I mean, I did also get a tome. What is it? Imperial tome on Sunday. Very nice. So that'll maybe the, maybe the some, best somebody. card of the set. I don't know. Yeah, maybe it's not a card I've been paying attention to, but <laughs> the price that people are willing to pay for it right now, uh, I'm trying to unload it. I'm not gonna lie. It it will settle. Yeah, there's only so many draw my players. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's true. Yeah, true. How about yeah. you? Open anything spicy? Uh, as usual, no. Yeah, that's but okay. that's okay. Yeah, we not we no we problem. can't all be Adrian uh, this time around. No, nope. well, he did pretty good for himself. Nope. I, I'm sure this is uh, something that every local community has, just someone that's a complete luck sack for opening <laughs> yeah. cards. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was Sinclair <laughs> town for Dust Till Dawn here. So, yeah. 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 All right. Well, I think that's all of the big hits for news. Um, we can move on to, it's not really a main topic, but it's an interesting topic. And that has to do with, I guess the honeymoon period when you get into a new hobby or a new game, you know, sometimes there's a big rush of excitement and this has come over all of us where all you can think about is this new game or this new hobby and you're reading about it all the time and it consumes all of your thoughts and you're super obsessed with it. Sometimes it sticks and becomes a hobby that lasts you through life. And sometimes it's something that lasts for a week or two and you spend 80 hours a week obsessed with it and then put it down never to re-engage with it. I mean, we were just talking about different video games, Shay, and uh, I mean, one one video game that, that you mentioned that, that you got really into lately was Starfield. Um, yep. And you went through a little bit of that curve, didn't you? Yep. Um for the first, I think, 60 hours or so, I had a hard time, hard time putting it down. Um, and after that mark, um, I don't want to say I got bored with it. I don't know what it is with me in video games lately. But uh, my desire to continue to play the game while I'm playing it drops really fast. And I'll you know save and then close it, go do something for 30 minutes. And then out of nowhere, that desire to play is back again. So then I'll hop back on my computer and I'll continue playing for a little bit until again it uh fades so i don't know what it is for me with something like video games um, but i haven't had that yet for fab since i started back in whatever it was 2020 or 2021 whenever it came to north america this for what whatever reason this game consumes me like you mentioned day in and day out i think about it before i'm going to bed i think about it when i get up i check discord uh, I'm always searching on YouTube for new content videos to watch. Um, there's just something that about this game that's definitely got its hook super deep into me. And I know some of it is the gameplay 
I know some of it is the deck building and I know a lot of it really is the community behind the game that we have and even around the world and how passionate people are and how positive they are for this game. Yeah, I see the community for this game slowly transitioning from that brand new, very excited, this is the new thing on the block to becoming more of that... I don't want to say entrenched or what's the best word for that? Like a mature community where we've established ourselves. We're here to stay. Um, you know, we, we lack perhaps some of that energy and to be very clear, that energy is not always a good thing. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I think about a lot of the discourse when I first heard about flesh and blood in I, I forget it was like 2021 as well, like late 2021. And so much of that was based off of a lot of hype, a lot of invest in this. Yeah. You're going to be rich. You know, Rainbow Foil Library of Solana is like $1,200 and it's $2,000 for a husk. You know, mm-hmm. get your boxes, $500 each, uh, <laughs> you know, unlimited monarch. Um and so much of that hype cycle, it burns very intensely, but then it could flame out. And a lot of people that are drawn to that sort of thing may move on just as easily. Yep. They say, easy come, easy go. Um, there, There's some of that. And I, I do think as the trajectory of this game has become more clear over the last year, for a while, it was just meteoric rise, right? Here's this scrappy company rising from nothing. And now suddenly they're all over America and expanding to all these different countries. The growth is still there now, but it's slower. But it's very clear that this thing is not going to, uh, you know, quote unquote, stomp to the moon. Yeah. I think that's what the kids say. <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's not going to overtake Magic the Gathering within the year. It's not, it is a long and hard road ahead of us to continue that growth. It's going to be slow. It's, it, it's not going to be the meteoric rise that it was. And I think that's a little bit less exciting to some people now that you see it's going to be hard work from here. Yeah, I think part of that, though, that meteoric rise is also uh, scary and doom and gloomy. Um, like you said, use the, the stonks word when I hear people stonking on something to me that's something that's going to be a short fuse you're gonna either lose a lot or make a lot on it and it's not gonna last for a very long time and with something with flesh and blood like you said as long as lss lss keeps steering the ship the way they are the game will continue to grow at a whatever pace it is i think you're right i think the burst of the excitement of the game is over and it's just going to be a a continuous trend and it'll be long like you said and it'll be slow growth but it'll keep growing i don't think it's gonna drop off too much um even when in our local community when we have our ebbs and flows there is a core group of people that come out on their days and come to their ar- armories and then there are people that come in and try the game and then they fade away and even some of those people come back um we have a few people that are going to be coming back after bright lights that we haven't seen in like six or nine months you know, due to whatever reasons, not necessarily game related, people have to pull out, but we're starting to see people come back that did enjoy the game and they have the access to start playing again. So that's really excited 
it really exciting for us locally. Um, so I think you, you hit on a few really good points about the trajectory of this game. Yeah, for sure. And one good thing about me traveling uh, all the time for work is I, I do get the chance to, you, you know, spend some time around smaller communities and and really drink up the energy yep. that that comes out here. I've I've spoken a couple times about the community out here on the east coast uh, in Moncton, where you know I'll, I'll be visiting here a couple more times before my my project wraps up. Uh, hopefully by the end of this year. Mm-hmm. But they very much went through this new onboarding process, and you saw that great energy, right? And I, I that energy continues to this day. Um, I went to a UPF armory yesterday in town, okay. and twelve people showed up. Nice, and it was pretty awesome. I had a really good time. I got to play Taipanis. No one knew what Taipanis was, <laughs> yeah. which why would you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, I got to redirect uh, a big hit like over to someone nice. else. Like it was, it was a great time. And honestly, you, you know, they, they say for, for people in life, like traveling is like, uh, I don't know. It's like good for the soul. Yeah. Uh, in some way it definitely is for me when it comes to to flesh and blood because what i do feel a little bit run down you know because because community builders work hard uh usually and uh you you know work hard to grow the community but sometimes the results aren't there right like mm-hmm. you said sometimes it's uh it's an ebb and flow in the community and and during some of the dips and can, it can feel a little bit challenging Right, just yep. just to to think about all the work that you put in, all the thought that you're putting into the game, but your armories are still only getting six people, for example. Um, but just being able to travel and see the enthusiasm of the game, see different communities in different stages of being introduced to the game, and just learning from them and and <laughs> sharing in the energy has been, yeah, that's been just just one way that. Uh, that I've been keeping myself refreshed. And that's one reason why I love traveling um, for the game as much as I do as well. I mean, what's, what's something Shay that, that you do to, to just stay, stay refreshed and, and motivated because you've, you've been in this game for as long as anyone in, in North America, I think. Um, it's a good question. I, other than, I think, whenever it was a couple of months ago when we talked about it on our podcast that I was actually just getting tired. And that was, I think just a general physical fatigue. Um, I actually haven't really gotten too mentally out of the game. And so I, it's hard for me to answer that because I think I just, I still really enjoy this game. I have a, pa- a deep passion for this game mm-hmm. and how fun it is. I, and I, I can't, I struggle to think what, I do to keep that up. Um, you know, just again, looking forward to seeing these, my friends that I've cultivated through this game, um, and trying new stuff, uh, you know, for better or for worse, usually for worse my, my janky decks don't work, but I still enjoy sitting down, putting them together and seeing if I, seeing if I can find any amount of success with them. Yeah. So I just, I think part of it is just like, I have cards on my desk that I'm ready to, try and play and use and different decks. I don't know. I just, 
I don't know. I haven't lost it yet. It's uh, to me, it's that good of a game that I haven't, I haven't faded from it personally yet. Yeah. And, and one thing, just listening to you talk and, and listening to, you know, some of the chatter that's been, been going back and forth is you, you're coming at this from just a, a place of honest wanting to engage with the game and wanting to enjoy it. Yeah. You're not coming in with expectations from other games or expectations of certain metrics. Um, again, just going back to my comment um, earlier, w- we know that Flesh and Blood is not going to overtake Magic yeah. you know, within the last within the next year. I mean, even when we had Jared on a couple months ago, he said right now Flesh and Blood is probably, by his estimation, one-tenth of the size of Magic yeah. or smaller, but what sets us apart is a very motivated, very engaged, uh, competitive community to the point where it's almost at par with, with magic even. Um, so it's, it's about in, in one of the big things in my opinion is just not comparing ourselves to others, not setting those expectations. You know, Mm -hmm. if if we don't hit X, Y, Z for numbers, then it's a failure. And now I'm going to talk about that failure and, Mm-hmm. <laughs> bemoan why we aren't this and that and, and the other it's it's just about enjoying the game for for what it is and really being thankful that the game exists and that we can play it that that's where i'm at i think you actually hit on a really good point that i kind of haven't really thought about um when i got into this game i was looking for something that was fun when i was searching um, keyforge was dying and i really liked keyforge and had a lot of fun with it but it wasn't being supported by uh, FFG anymore. So I wasn't done having fun with a card game. So I looked for something different. And this game looked amazing. And it turned out to be amazing. And that's been my mindset, I think, ever since the beginning, uh, that I wanted something fun. And this is fun. And that's the way I look at it. I didn't get into it to stonk. I didn't get into it to become a pro player. I got into it to find something that was fun, that I can bring to my friends and get them to try it and see if they'll join me on this journey with this game. So I think for me, that initial mindset of what I wanted out of this game, uh, I still have today. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and this is, could be a scary time, right? Like the, the transition. I mean, if you want to, like, I, I think about like the, the old, um, you know, probably out of touch and poorly aged, uh, anecdote of like the seven-year itch yeah you know (laughs) in marriage it's like yeah it's like your relationship is not new anymore but there's a lot of people that very happy people that make it work and transition from being you know newly in love or newly in a relationship to you know being partners that will last together for for decades like not not to go too deep in this maybe because it's like almost one o'clock and i'm just <laughs> all over the place but it reminds me of that right yeah it's yeah well one thing sort of like i don't know this doesn't really help the point that you're trying to make but something i do think about was um all the time is where new people come from are they coming from magic are they coming from some other game it, it doesn't really matter where they're, they come from um, but we have to work to obtain new people and get them into our game. Cause I think about if somebody was to ask me to pick up a new game, like Shay, I want you to try Lorcana. I'd be like, I'm not interested in Lorcana. 
I like where I am. I like the game that I'm playing. You know, then that's that sentiment, I think, echoes for a lot of people in different games. And it's not going to always be easy to have people come into Flesh and Blood and be like, here, pick up this game. It's another expense. Um, It could be fun. It might be funner than whatever it is that you're playing. But that um, resistance, because you're still enjoying what you're doing, um, what you're playing, I think is there for some people. And the longer the game sticks around and the more time there will be for people to try the game and um, see if it's something that they want to come into. And going back to like the the slow growth of the game, it's I think going to be there forever. I don't think it's going to spike for whatever reason, like unless something miraculous happens, the growth of the game will be slow for bringing people in. And it was kind of off topic, but it was just sort of something that kind of came to my mind. No, it's uh, it, it, it's a perfect point of uh, where 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 do new players come from right and i i do think that there's a lot of good um efforts being made when it comes to the you know different products like the the round the table box and i do understand we're gonna get maybe uh one of these products per year moving forward also discussed on the eye of Aphidia podcast mm-hmm. so yeah there's i i'm really looking forward to this mature phase of of flesh and blood at this point because this is where they've hit their stride they know what the game is i hope that the audience for the game will continue to be there yeah um you know i i really trust that it will because the people that i've met at these events um just again traveling around really really love the game very deeply enfranchised they'll they'll travel in the future and we'll we'll go from there anything anything else on this topic Shay? no i think i'm pretty good here what's your what what is your your top relationship advice for for being in a <laughs> you've been married for how long uh we had our 10 year anniversary this year um, congratulations thank you yeah that's not not that long ago no see this is gonna be Again, we we did this a few months ago. I'm going to ask, what's your relationship advice for for keeping it keeping it strong? Uh, putting me on the spot, hey. Yeah. You need to find a partner that accepts what you do, or that you guys do something together. I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, when I I've changed hobbies many times prior to my relationship uh, or my marriage with Yvonne. And I've changed my hobbies many times well, during that uh, time. And uh, she just, ex- she accepts it, I guess. She lets me do it and try it. Uh, you know, sometimes we have to have a conversation about how, how much time, how much finances you can put into certain hobbies. But, you know, we're never stopping each other from trying something new. In fact, kind of always encouraging to try something new and supporting and it's okay if she wants to join me. Like, I'm okay if she joins me in whatever it is that I do. And she's okay. And I'm okay if she doesn't join me. Both both to me are good because you need space and you need time together. So as long as you find the balance that works for both of you, I think you can have a healthy relationship and still have uh, hobbies. And hobbies that you can be passionate about and put time into. Um, while I think about this game a lot, um, the effort that I put into it is 
sort of at the end of the night when it's sort of my time when she's, you know, sitting down watching her shows or listening to her books and our daughter's in bed. That's the time that I use to invest into the game, whether it's watching content, creating content, working on a deck or chatting about it. So just finding the right time and the right balance, I think would be my uh, advice. Incredible. That's a, a nice way to, to end this segment. <laughs> now yeah. your, your, your relationship with your card game should not be uh, anywhere close to your commitment to your, your partner, if you have one. So uh, no, a, anytime I try to draw a parallel between the two, please take that with a grain of salt. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, but it, it is a balanced thing, right? Yeah. So um, no, it shouldn't be as equal, but yeah, um, concession, concessions are made. Uh, I have a, like I said, I have a very accepting wife. She let me go to four pre-releases this weekend and we're very rational when we discuss these things and you know, who, who's going to have the kid for this amount of time. And I yeah. try and find spots to take her, but she accepts when it doesn't make sense. You know, yes. Did she have a Laura for three days this weekend? She did. Um, but it didn't make sense to bring her to some of them, um, even though we, we could have, and maybe that would work for some other people. We're, we're pretty reasonable. So she'll oh, yeah. get me somewhere down the line. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Well, quick random topic for the day. Guess, Shay, I'll, I'll share with you that uh, as a result of all my very long plane rides uh, lately with sketchy Wi-Fi at mm-hmm. best, I've been exploring some retro gaming, and okay. I, I've been playing Final Fantasy Tactics Advance, which I realized, to my horror, came out 20 years ago. I was going to ask you, I'm like, I haven't heard that name in a long time. Yeah. 20 years, eh? And I, I, I think um, I, I, I felt my skin turn into, into dust uh, when I realized <laughs> I saw the little copyright sign when the yeah. game booted up and yeah, can't believe it. Um, so I, I guess I, I need to ask you, what is, what is the game that you've played or the thing that you've done recently that has made you feel ancient? I don't have one right now. I haven't, I haven't picked up anything old. You feel um, young and spry at this well, moment? Well, no, I don't ever feel young and spry. It, I do occasionally look at EverQuest content, like videos. EverQuest. Or, yeah, I look at stuff. And that what, that game came out in 96, I think. Why would you look at content for a dead game that came out in 96? Like, just to reminisce about what it was like to play about that? Well, like, some, play those things? some of the content's actually new. It's like months old. So It's still going on? Yeah, there's private servers and stuff. So oh, I want to okay. know... You know, mm. so I, the curiosity of how big the community is, you know, whatever this is, 20 some years later, um, why does this person put out content about this game that's super old? Like, so I am fascinated by those things and some of it is to reminisce, but I just have so many questions as to as to why and what's going on. Um, so the Final Fantasy Tactics for you, does it hold up uh, this many years later for you? So it definitely does because it is turn-based and pixel-based graphics. So the graphics always age fine when yep. it's uh, pixel-based. And GBA emulation runs really well on my phone. Like it barely drains the battery more right. than the ba- than the phone city at idle. So that's really nice for my my plane ride. And it's a classic. Um, I, I haven't played all the Final Fantasy games by a long shot. Uh, we'll need to bring Fred back on to talk about each of them in detail. Mm-hmm. 
but uh, tactics advance is is something that i i did play growing up um i guess now now that we're talking about looking at old online communities there's this old top-down shooter called subspace have you heard of that at all no i haven't i was as you mentioned i was like i don't think i know about this one yeah but like that one's been going on since the 90s, like 97 or 98. It came out when I was in grade school, like elementary or, or junior high. And apparently that's still going on. So you you talking about looking up EverQuest content and that's still going on. 97. I mean, yeah. <laughs> wow. Maybe that'll be us one day with flesh and blood. We'll just Maybe. still be playing Welcome to Wraith with uh, these decrepit cards in the retirement home like i'm okay with that i don't know like i am not ready for this game to be dead i I enjoy it too much and (laughs) i don't want it to go away so i hope i hope that's the case i hope we're still playing it when we're you know hands are shaking we can barely hold cards and we need little card holders well well by that time we'll be able to play with our minds you know (laughs) you think so if if the ai will let us yeah 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 to, to be very clear i do not think the game is anywhere close to a trajectory of dying or even on a negative trajectory no. but I, I i do think you know there's a little bit more negativity on on social media these days i do think one thing our community has to grapple with and, and i'm sorry for taking us back into you know away from the random topic and backwards okay. talking about flesh and blood but our community has to grapple with the fact that, you know, it's not going to be a line goes up situation. You know, the game probably had like 400% player growth in one year and another 200% player growth in another year. Yeah. Maybe player growth from here on out is going to be 10% year over year. And there's going to be people coming and people leaving, you know, and maybe over a six month period, there will be a decline and mm-hmm. hopefully they'll pick back up in the next six months, you know, just, uh, you know, less penny stocks and more blue chip yeah. stocks well, just slowly gaining over time. A couple of things that I want to mention. If you're in a smaller community, you're going to see the ebb and flow more than you would looking yeah. at it like nationally or globally. You're going to, you're going to notice when five people don't show up on a continuous basis. It makes a big impact on a smaller community. Whereas it won't when it's larger. It's just, it's just the way it is. And then the one other thing that you mentioned about negative social media, one thing that I have noticed is that if somebody kind of does say something negative, most of the comments I feel like are people um, counter arguing the negativity coming at it from a more positive angle. Very not too often do I see a bunch of agreeing um, replies. Mm-hmm. So I think that, again, that speaks to the, the maturity and positivity of the community that we have at large. Yep, for, for sure. I think this also speaks to uh, certain social media websites just uh, boosting controversial posts. <laughs> Maybe, uh, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Maybe it's who you follow, Felix. Oh, dear. <laughs> I do have a question for that. you before we shut yeah. it down, though. Absolutely. Uh, keeping with the, the downer thoughts. Have you Uh-oh. given it much thought uh, about how your flesh and blood in Moncton is going to look once you're done the project? Or is it just like, a, it's been nice knowing you kind of guys, or will you have an opportunity to go back? 
So the tough part about working on projects is uh, the company is not going to fly me across Canada <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I would love to come back here every so often if I could. Flying in Canada is ridiculously expensive. Yeah. To anyone that's not from Canada, um, Canada is very not population dense. So whatever you think it costs to fly across a certain distance, probably triple it. It's it's not great. And there's also the time zone change and, and all of that. It's it it is a tough sell. Yeah. So I think realistically, if I do visit back here, it would be for another job, um, however many years down the line. Or it would be a one-off for a vacation because it is beautiful here. I love it. I have a new appreciation for this this region of, of Canada. I do wish more people would, would visit here as well, just in general, because there's so much to see. But realistically, my, my engagement with this community uh, will have to be online, online and at yeah. major events. Like if we can see each other at Canadian Nationals or an SCG event in the States that we can both go to. And I'll, I, I love a lot of the people here. I've made a lot of friends that I hope to continue to talk to. And, and now when there's, uh, you know, people from the East Coast talking in the Canadian Discord, I, I know quite a few of them, nice. which is awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's not something I've really ever had to experience in my life uh, of making short term, not short term friends, but friends that you won't necessarily get to see maybe ever again or once yeah. in a blue moon kind of thing. So I was kind of curious, you know, sort of how that made you feel. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's always tough. And, and to be honest, this is the first time I've had to do something like this while having made very good friends, like yeah. because of a, a game like flesh and, and blood, usually you're just running into people that you work with, for example, or people that you don't share such a deep interest in. A lot of times, because I, I work as an engineer in construction, stereotypically, um, and, and it is true to a certain extent, a lot of the people that you work with are not necessarily big fans of, of trading card games yeah. or yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Not that I don't wish that they were, and I've I've sometimes tried to bring different board games or something like that. But a lot of times you don't end up connecting on a deeper level like you do with Flesh and Blood. But here, I've gone to armories. Uh, some of the members of the local community have been gracious enough to invite me over to their homes That's to play awesome. as well. Yeah, in the middle of the week, and I have, and... Yeah, th this one's gonna gonna be sad when when I leave for sure. I'm I'm gonna miss it a lot. Um, you know, it's it, it's not frequently that I'm you know that someone's privileged enough to be able to travel for work, get to fly on fly on a company dime to a beautiful place, and even get to play uh, play the card game that they love in the evenings when when it's all said and done. So, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, now I'm a little bit sad just thinking about it. How could you? So, sorry. Yeah. I was like, I don't really, like, maybe you hadn't given it any thought, and I'm going to put this upon you, and now you're going to be, like, sad. And I, no. I didn't want I didn't want to do it that <laughs> way, but I was also very curious, because I know yeah. you've talked about it lots on the podcast, and you and I in private about, you know, these, these events that you get to go to and these people that you've met time and time again. I was just kind of thinking about 
how does that relationship go once you stop going, you know, close to the end of the year, right? So thank you for that. I'm just I'm just reminded of the the good place. Have you seen the good place? No, I haven't. What 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 will we do with you, Shay? There there is a there's a quote in the good place. I forget it sure verbatim, but it's like one of the like what makes a human a human? It's like deep down, all humans know they're going to die, so they're just a little bit sad. I think I've heard that before. Yeah, yeah. This is a very dark place potentially. <laughs> a great <laughs> a way to tra- trading card <laughs> game podcast. Yeah, and in our episode with yeah. that. Yeah, this great. is uh, yeah. This is yeah, Felix when it's past one in the morning. <laughs> okay, let's wrap her up then. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining Shay and I on this uh, this convoluted episode of the IP2 podcast. We do appreciate your listening. And if you do have any feedback, we'd love to hear it. Our socials are Twitter, IP2Podcast, Mastodon, IP2Podcast at Wraith.Social, and YouTube, IP2Podcast. Thank you so much. This is what happens when we don't have a script. Yeah, I love it. (laughs) Don't you love it?